Welcome to the School of Athens by Estelle and Leah. Making philosophy more accessible to younger people. Hi! Hi everybody! <laughs> um, I'm, I'm Leah and we're back with another philosophy lesson for you. And today we're doing arguments from reason, the ontological argument. So, you know, that we already touched upon God's existence or religion in general in the previous episodes. And this time we thought, you know, we'd just like dedicate a whole episode to the ontological argument and also Pascal's wager. Yeah, we'll just get right to it. So what is the ontological argument? It's an argument first proposed by Anselm. And he argues for the existence of God from the concept that a being uh, that which no greater can be conceived, and that's God. So I'll just lay out the premises and conclusion. So God is that than which nothing greater can be conceived of. So what exists in reality is greater than what exists in just our understanding. And that's the first premise. And the second premise states again, God is that which nothing greater can be conceived. So conclusion is that God must exist in reality because what's in reality is better or greater than what just exists in our imagination. And that logically using reason sounds like it makes a lot of sense, but there are obvious counter arguments to it. Yeah, I mean, just like as a background, Anselm, uh, he lived in the 11th century. So that wasn't really a time in Europe where you where the existence of God was like openly questioned. And I think it was also something pretty new to find like actual reasons to believe in God and not believe in him uh, simply out of faith. But mm-hmm. uh, so this argument, I mean, if you look at it closely, it's doesn't really make sense um, because it seems like you can basically apply the same logic to almost anything, you know. Um, Gornila actually offers an example as a counter argument, and it's his um, lost island refute. And he says that basically, if you just sub in lo- a lost island with God, like it doesn't make sense because, say, the lost island is an island that that which no greater island can be conceived. And it is greater to exist in reality than merely as an idea. So if the lost island does not exist in reality, a greater island can be conceived of. So therefore, the lost island exists in reality. But like it follows the same logic as Anselm's argument. And a whole lost island, the whole thing is that it's lost. So it doesn't exist in reality, but it proves that it exists in reality according to logic. So it just shows the inconsistency of Anselm's logic. Yeah, um, and Anselm even answered to this, saying that this logic basically only applies to God because he's the like one and only necessary being. But um, then it's almost like saying, you know, God's existence is needed to prove, or is like one of the assumptions you make before you try to prove God's existence. Um, begging the argument in philosophy if you assume the thing that you're basically are going to prove or are trying to prove yeah and Kant talks about this a lot as well because um he says that how existence can't be a predicate and um as Leah just said like you can't say just because God is a necessary being that he therefore exists like that's that's not something it's like you can't beg the uh question yeah exactly. um, 
But I think Khan kind of takes the argument up and just changes it a little little bit because he says, you know, if God existed, then he would be the greatest being uh, in existence. But that doesn't like mean that he does exist. But he does acknowledge part of the argument. Khan says that existence, it doesn't add to the essence of of the being, but it just like indicates it's a occurrence of reality. It's just like, it doesn't, it's not part of the definition of God, you know, well, it shouldn't be. I mean, I think like the approach to try and find reasons for believing in God is like, is generally a good one. Um, but yeah, I mean, this argument doesn't really convince me at least. And I think it doesn't really many people um, today, but you know, it's so interesting to kind of uh, look at the historical background. We can see, for example, Pascal, he lived in the 17th century, and there the like attitude towards religion was already very different, so that what he is doing with his like approach to defend religion or God is, yeah, as I said, like it's already defensive. It's not really um, just trying to prove the existence of God, but it's trying to actually convince people or um, answer to critics, because at that time there were already more critics than during Anselm's time. And so, like, as Leah said, it's more to convince people. And Pascal's wager is rather convincing because the advantages of believing in God is like, oh, worshiping God is that you you receive like life after death, you go to heaven. Whereas if you believe if you don't believe in God's existence, like you can risk going to hell and experiencing internal punishment according to Christianity. But like if God does exist in the end, you get the reward of being in heaven. But if God does not exist in the end, then heaven and hell doesn't exist. Like either way, like there is nothing bad for you. If God does exist, it's like a win-win situation. Whereas if he doesn't exist, you don't really lose anything. I think that's the essence of his wager, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's four scenarios. So basically, believing in him only has advantages because if he exists, then not only did you lead a good life because you follow like morals and um, and had like a community and stuff, then that's already a win. And you also get to have get to go to heaven. And if he doesn't exist, then you still have the advantage of being a moral or morally good person. Whereas if even if you don't believe in him and he doesn't exist, you might end up like leading a bad life because you didn't really do anything good and maybe didn't even have a community. Mm-hmm. Like he exists and you didn't believe in him, then that's really bad. At the end, like there's nothing bad that can come out of believing in God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what do you think? Are you Would you find that convincing and now you want to believe in God yeah I mean I think there's mainly like two things that I don't really agree with first that um we think that the two scenarios are like almost equally likely or like in the wager it's kind of presented as if they were equally likely and I don't think that they are so um I don't know it almost like in the scenario it ends up being obviously the best choice to believe in God um because it seems just as like that he exists and that he doesn't exist um but because i think it's so much more likely that he doesn't the wager doesn't end up like giving the same results you know Mm -hmm. 
And the second yeah. thing is that um, I would criticize his like idea of leading a, a better life with religion because there's many things that religion that doesn't necessarily have to give you. I mean, you can lead a moral life or like a life with community and happiness outside of religion. Um, while like many of the wars in Europe, for example, where uh, a lot of the structural problems like all over the world come out of religion. So I think there's like almost more negative sides to it than positive ones. I don't know. I'm also like, um, just the fact that you're believing in God because of this wager, like because you want the benefits. Yeah, exactly. out that's, I feel like that's a, not a very pure reason for faith. And I don't think if God exists, I don't think he would appreciate it that you're believing in him because of, because of this thinking. Like mm-hmm. God, like Christianity emphasizes in like purity and in intention and in like, um faith and if it was the god that it's described in the bible like i don't think he would give you that reward in the end anyway you know mm-hmm. yeah no i think you mentioning the reward is really important because as you say like we don't really know whether we actually get i mean like just because we read in the bible for example that uh, we're going to heaven if we do this and that and like if we don't then we go to hell uh I think there's almost like another question, like, do we believe in the Bible, you know, additionally to like, do we believe in Mm. God? Because you don't really know if the God that ends up like maybe possibly existing is the one that uh, we read about in the Bible. So like you could also end up going to hell or whatever, like if that even existed, you know, Um, uh, if you believed in him. So I don't know. And then just like, like, this is going slightly off this specific topic, but just about like Christianity and faith in God in general. But like, if you were born in a society where you didn't know that religion existed or you didn't, you haven't had access to church or Christianity or the Bible, how would you, how would you ever to realize that you could have faith in God? Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you are still a good person. You are still leading the good life in quotation marks. You're still, I don't know, selfless and um, loving and all that. I think this is called like being an anonymous Christian. But this belief, not all people believe in the fact that anonymous Christians would still be rewarded in the end. And yeah, like it's just. Yeah, that seems unfair kind of. Yeah, you end up like going to hell or heaven depending on where in the world you were born for example like yeah. it doesn't seem right I, even if I believe in God I don't think that's what what it would be like it's not very omnibenevolent of God <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly so that's already a reason not to believe in the wager I think or not yeah. trust it again like just to generally like put it in a historical context I think it's interesting you know, how quickly that changed, first of all, you know, going from strictly faith to coming up with reasons or for believing in God and then um, actually having to defend him. Mm-hmm. And But I think what is really cool about the wager is that it really asks what are the advantages for us people to believe in God or like maybe almost like what is the influence of God on our lives? And just like, 
going back to um, the ontological argument, I feel like there's so many aspects in arguing for the existence of God. That sounds almost ridiculous because, like, at the end of the day, it's just God's character or what God or what God is or at least what people define him to be. That's mm-hmm. that, that's what everyone's arguing for. Like, the definition, a lot of people use this as an example, the definition of a bachelor is that he's an unmarried man. And, like, people apply that reasoning with God, saying the definition of God is he's omnipotent or all-knowing or that he has a necessary existence or he's a greatest being. And that's always used as the argument itself. And I think that's just one of the key reasons why I find arguments for the existence of God like hard to like believe or like find convincing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get that. Also with the calling him the greatest being or arguing with mm-hmm. the definition of greatest being, I think is also problematic because, I mean, the word great is something that we kind of made up, right? We like just use it uh, differently also in different cultures so what does it even mean for a being to be great like why does it necessarily I mean it does seem right that existence is for like greater than non-existence for example but like why like why do we think that you know we're just omnipotence or questioning what we mean by great I think it's also important when we consider like the ontological argument yeah, and um, Descartes also said, like, defines the argument. Descartes says how existence is perfection and then God is perfect, so God exists. But, like, you can say, I think the term is syllogism. You can say how um, Santa is a man and man exists, so Santa exists. It logically seems to work, but it, it doesn't, Yeah. Yeah, right. And then you kind of have to see where in, like, which proposition the mistake is. And I think for Descartes, Mm -hmm. it's just the like notion of perfection. What does that mean? You know, what kind of something we just, yeah, I mean, it's a a socially constructed term. But also, I mean, Descartes also says that he can't be a deceiver, for example, because I mean, he also says, you know, God is perfect. And uh, because of that, he can't be deceiving me because then he wouldn't be perfect because he wouldn't be good. Because why do you need to be good in order to be perfect? So it's kind of similar. Mm, that's right. interesting. And um, so just to recap, today we talked about the ontological argument and we talked about its counter-arguments and we've sort of reached the conclusion that the argument doesn't work even though it seems to logically make sense because... You can't use existence as a predicate and you can't beg the question. And we also talked about Pascal's wager and how his intention was more to like convince people to believe in God, but that's still not convincing enough because it's an almost impure way of believing in God. Uh, we are probably going to talk about the problem of evil in the next episode, so we're going extend this uh short series about god to two episodes (laughs) so see you guys next week we hope you enjoyed this episode yeah bye now bye thank you for coming to our lesson 
We hope to see you again next week. 